0: river's full of hope I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope Aspen's gold on snowcat peaks the elk call me away I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day I've got nimrod neurosis longbows on the brain I'm an outdoor junkie through and through hunts my middle name my eyes are on the target broad heads all by true can wait till i can get outside so i can play
1: all right hey everybody welcome to the traditional bull hunting wilderness podcast jason sam kovac here and today we have james Orr on with us and he's going to talk about his first ever whitetail experience he went whitetail hunting with me uh, this year in a Midwest state, and uh, he killed a monster deer and had a ball, and uh, like I said, his first time ever ever hunting whitetails, so we're going to chat with him a little bit before we do. got to take a minute and uh, mention a company, a product, something like that, and I'm actually going to let James do it and talk about a piece of gear, anyone that he wants to from his system, because uh, the guy's got quite the setup, and he went all out on his whitetail rigs. He uses it also for his columbia blacktail and he's uh you know spends a lot of time in this gear and uh so james i'm gonna leave it to you go ahead and uh, say hi and uh, fire off about uh you know any of those uh products that you had that you were really impressed with out there this year
2: sounds good well welcome to the tradquest podcast uh as you guys know i used to do a podcast and uh we're gonna go ahead and put this one over on our uh our end and uh who knows you guys might be seeing some more content coming from me um Pick a piece of gear, any piece of gear. Uh man, let's go with uh, let's go with Wanger Dartry, uh, my uh, tar longbow that I brought out. Um, I have two of these; uh, they are clones of each other, sister bows, I call them. Um, both of them are 64 inches long. They're both 50. At 29, I draw about 29 and a half, so I'm getting about 51, 52 pounds out of them. Um, they both uh, have U-wood limb veneers. Um, one of them is a two-piece with a G10 riser with the Bull Bolt system. That's the one that I travel with that breaks down. And then the other one has a Macassar Ebony and U-wood riser. The uh, bows both shoot the same arrow which, uh, you know, obviously um, makes it very handy, makes them so they're a true backup bow. And, yeah, they have the same grip. Everything's pretty much the same, except for one of them is a uh, uh, takedown, so it's physically a little, little heavier. Um, but the bows shoot awesome for me. I've, you know, being a traditional guy, you just kind of try everything out there, and, and you finally settle into something. And, um, yeah, Trent Wangard Wangard Archery out there in uh, Sandpoint, Idaho, I believe. Uh, he makes a he makes a spectacular bow, and, he, and he's a super super human being, and an awesome hunter. So yeah, that, I'd say that would be the piece of gear that uh, I'd like to highlight.
1: Yeah, now with uh, you know, you like when you were on that trip, you only brought one bow with you because only having a single takedown for travel purposes, right? So when you're traveling by plane, you're just bringing one bow.
2: One bow, yeah. And basically, um, so far, like you know, you told me you're like, hey, uh, me and John will both have an extra bow with us. Like, seems like I'm going somewhere where there's if I'm not hunting with a guy, there's a guy around, Um, you know, because I when I'm flying. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm literally getting my, uh, scale out and weighing my suitcases and taking things out and just trying to get it down to, to, uh, to, two suitcases.
1: Right. 50 With pounds each or something. 50 isn't pounds it?
2: each. And, and that, and I brought a tree stand and a tree saddle and two pairs of boots and winter clothing. And, you know, I brought it all, uh, uh under the 100 pounds i mean it seems like oh, 100 pounds it's a lot but man it seems to add up fast with your backpack and install your stuff optics
1: yeah i remember when we went on a you know i've been on a couple of caribou hunts that were flying back in the day and we were limited to 75 pounds you know for the for the little planes and uh god it was it was weeks of narrowing down things cutting off the handles on my toothbrush you know it was everything yeah we could to try to make it to get to that you know to get that number down especially being gone on a
2: 10-day hunt you know i mean even when i'm backpack hunting i'll get it down to 40 pounds 45 pounds but i'll still have another 50 pounds of gear sitting in my truck you know extra food extra all the other stuff so it's like you're taking 100 pounds into the when you go hunting with you like whether you like it or not i mean you're not going to have 100 pounds on you when you go into the woods but when you leave your house and you have tree stands and, and, you know, whatever you, you're taking, uh, whatever hunt you're going on, whether it be deer or elk or hog or whatever it is. So you're going to have a, uh, you know, a mountain bike, uh, a boat. I mean, you're going to have some gear. It, it adds up, it seems. And, and then when you add trying to fly to that destination, um, Hey, if, if I didn't, you know, you brought uh bedding and, uh, uh, you know, some things that I was able to utilize, but, um, yeah, it, it it's definitely, uh, adds another, uh, part to the adventure.
1: And you're right, my truck's like that, too. You know, during the hunting season, I got a duffel bag in there with spare parts. I got a little uh, pouch in there that's got all my spare batteries and all the spare headlamps and all the stuff in case you end up being out there for eight hours at night tracking and and all extra gloves and extra, you know, game bags. And, you know, it's just stockpiles, you know. just, You know, there's just no way around it. And then when you got to leave to go somewhere and you're limited to two bags, man, it's hard to narrow that stuff down what you want to take.
2: It really is. It really is. So, uh, why don't, why don't we start from the beginning with this?
1: Sounds like a plan. I like it.
2: Yeah, so, um, I was re- I was reflecting on this uh last night before I went to bed and and uh kind of dug, did a little digging and you had me on the podcast back in 2017 to talk about black deer hunting. And that uh that po- that was the first time I'd ever been on a podcast. And so I kind of looked up that date. So back in 2017, so 2016, I reach out to you. Uh, I reach out to you because I'm a Columbia blacktail hunter and I am hunting uh, over bait piles. I'm hunting, um, just still hunting. And I'm trying to figure out this tree stand uh, game that doesn't revolve around sitting in the same exact place, looking at a pile of apples, and so I yeah, contact. And
1: also, we remember too, though, so everybody knows it's listening. Um, when you're hunting Columbia blacktails, that is the; those are the two methods that are used more than anything. It's sitting over a pile of apples in a tree stand, or in a ground blind, or it is actually just uh, people out there trying to still hunt them. The rifle hunters are still hunting them, and the uh, bow hunters are sitting on apples, right?
2: Um, that and, and um. A lot of like glassing, uh, spot and stock in the in in the clear cuts or uh, uh, calling. You know, there's a lot of a lot of bow hunters are kind of just running around uh, calling. You know, through the whole season, even though the calling only works. You know, in in that pre and post rut time frame. But yeah, a lot of rattling. But But, nobody's sitting in a tree. No, no, no. The only time you're going to hear about a ground blind or a tree stand being uh, implicated is going to be generally on private property and always on bait piles. Yeah. And and, And you uh, wanted
1: to go mobile. You wanted to learn how to hunt them, you know, in their natural travel patterns and the way they're doing it and be able to move with them through the rut. And, and, you know, basically you were trying to apply whitetail tactics to them, correct?
2: Yeah. Like, I, I, I liked roaming around the woods, and I liked seeing new ground all the time. But, man... I was not killing deer that way at all. Like not even, I wasn't even seeing deer. <laughs> so I was like, I, I needed to, uh, to figure something out. And and there was a, there's a few guys that, um, uh, were using tree stands and black tills. I mean, it's, it's not totally unheard of. But there's a few, but they're not sharing a lot of info. And so, uh, I said, well, I got to turn to the whitetails. I got to turn to the whitetails, even though I don't know how similar they are. And that was like something I pondered the whole time was how similar are, are they? I, the way they talk about them, there's a lot of similarities. They're more similar to a whitetail than they are to a mule deer. Um, that, that uh, even even after hunting them, I, that, I would say that that is, rings true. Um, so yeah, I, I got a hold of you and struck up a friendship. And, uh, that friendship, uh, uh, y- you were, uh, you know, almost, um, of, of, a mentor over the phone to me, you know, uh, helping me out along the way because you weren't even offering as much content as you do now. Uh, you know, with your online school and just all the awesome stuff that you're doing to help people, you were, you weren't really even putting anything to video yet. So you had me just constantly calling you <laughs> and, uh. Through the uh, I, I got obsessed with researching uh, and learning about white deer, um, and utilizing it for black-tailed deer hunting and the Wenzels, uh, uh, yeah, those guys, their books, they, they were super uh, in, informative and, and helpful. Uh, Dan Infault, which actually you turned me on to Dan, Dan was very uh informative and, and helpful. Um, yeah, they uh, so yeah, just learning from all the white tail guys that were, um, Nathan Kellen, uh, the mountain hunters, yep. the guys that are hunting. An yeah, Amazing in, guy. He gets it done. Oh, he's one of my absolute favorite content creators. I mean, Nathan Kellen, he is a killer and he's hunting public land most of the time and he's doing it in the mountains. And, um, and, uh, yeah, and he's so down
1: to earth. He's such a good guy, such a good guy.
2: Yeah. So, uh, he's over on that, uh, um, stick boys podcast a ton. And whenever he's on there, uh, uh, I'm always listening. So, um, yeah, those guys do a great job over there. So yeah, I just dug, dug into that and I started utilizing it and finding some success in the, in the Blacktail woods with it. And really wanting to get out there and do it, but it's just, you know, uh, with a young family and, and it was, I was juggling two different jobs. Um, I just never could make it into the whitetail woods. And you were giving me the invite every single year. And finally I called you up and said, Hey man, let's do it. And you're like, okay, well I'm hunting 17 States this year. I I don't know how many States you hunted this year, four or five, but you let me uh, join you in one of them. And and uh yeah, it, it, it uh it was life changing. I, I think I told you when I came back to the truck uh one one night, I said, I can't live without this. And you said what? Yeah. And I said, This is something I can't live without. Uh, so,
1: you know what's interesting too is uh actually where our camp was where we where you know where we had the tent set up at was the exact place where I was sitting when you actually called me up one night when i was there by myself john couldn't make it out there that year he got he had stuck at work and couldn't come out so it was i was there by myself but i was in that same exact spot that we were in as you were calling me talking to me about going hey i think i'm going to start a podcast how do i start a podcast when you were starting up oh, yeah. i was actually in camp in that place after hunting one night wow. and we were talking about all that
2: wow and that was uh yeah, seven eight years ago uh, yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, and, and for anyone that doesn't know, Jason bringing me onto the show, uh, giving me a bump t- uh, to do a podcast, it there's no, it would have never even he birthed it. So, uh, you know, uh, any, any of you guys that appreciate that content, you know, you can thank Jason because he definitely uh, he gave us the nudge. And um, so and I, I I've been talking to Bob a lot lately, and and uh, we are are gonna start putting podcasts back out. Uh, we both got incredibly busy over the last year and a half with career changes and Bob had a new, his wife had a new baby and we just, uh, got bombarded in life. Um, I had a, uh, a mother-in-law that got very sick with cancer and, and we lost her and it's just, we just had a boatload of stuff going on that pushed the podcast to the back burner, but we do miss it and we've had a lot of requests. So You guys look forward to seeing some of that in 2024. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yep, and people don't understand it. It's not like, I mean, nobody makes any money or any real money on podcasting, and there's hours. It's not just one hour or two hours of recording, especially the way you guys do it where it's interview-based, like how this is. I mean, this is scheduling stuff that has to be planned. I mean, this one we're doing right now has been rescheduled, what, two or three times already? Yes. Uh, just to, because of things coming up and stuff like that. Now, imagine having to do that with people you don't know on a weekly basis, and, and you guys were two people in two separate places plus the third person is an interview and trying to put all that together timing wise. Um, it's just, you know, it's hard. There's a lot of work to do that and to do it with consistency. That's a lot to it.
2: Yeah, it, it, it really is. So I am happy to be in a better place right now, finally. And, uh, we've moved and, you know, we've had a lot of life changes and, you know, things with our daughters and work. And so, uh, I think, uh, we, uh, should be able to pull this off. I told Bob, I didn't want to jump back in and just put out a couple episodes. If we're going to do it. I want to be able to offer some, some content and some things that'll make a difference, uh, or, or you know, it, not like it's going to make a difference, but, you know, uh, we like, we want to promote traditional bow hunting in, in a positive light. And, and, uh, you know, if we're going to, uh, get out there and put a podcast out, we might as well, you know, be somewhat consistent about it. And we've got some great ideas moving forward. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it'll be a good thing. It'll be nice to have you guys back out there.
2: Yeah. It will be, uh, should be fun. So, yeah. So we, back to those two 50 pound suitcases, I get those suckers, uh, packed up and, uh, up to the airport and loaded on and, and off to the airport I go and, I get picked up that day by you at the airport, and bam, I'm in the Midwest, and we are, uh, just like that, we're going whitetail hunting. Uh, we, we didn't
1: waste any time. We went right from the, you know, we, I picked you up from the airport and you were early. Like your flight was early. You were out early. And I'm like, Hey, hey you know, we can still spend an hour in the woods. You know, you're like, let's do it. And we were, I mean, yeah. we hit that. We got back to camp and you threw your bag on a picnic table and started throwing gear together. And, uh, 20 minutes later we were heading to a tree stand.
2: That was it. That was it. And then we were, we were going and it was really cool. Cause we've been friends for eight years, but we've never met each other. Um, yep. in person. So we, you know, it was cool getting to, you know, just chatting and, and, uh, you know, you have that sensory overload when you're in a new place. Um, so like I'm, I'm going to, uh, I've never been, I've been to the East coast and I've been to the South, uh, but I've never been to the Midwest. So it's like a little bit different. Well, I guess that's not true. I mean, I guess I've been to the Northern, some of the Northern parks. I've been to Mount to Michigan. I don't know if that's not really mid, it's kind of like upper Midwest. Yep. Yeah. No, it's yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah. Drink. Yeah. So uh yeah, it was it was I had a ton I mean, I'm a student to the game as we kept talking. Like when I talk about I'm a student to the game, Dwight tells I've consumed thousands of hours of podcasts. Thousands, because because my job allows me to listen a lot of things I do, I'm on the road a lot or I'm working by myself in a lot of places where I have earbuds in. I have listened to thousands and thousands of hours of content around whitetail deer hunting and i've watched hundreds and hundreds of hours on YouTube on whitetail deer hunting over the last eight years um, and, and mostly i'm you know i'm looking at that public land do it yourself uh type hunts mobile, running mobile gun, run yep. and gun type hunts so uh, and coming out there i've been I'd went from tree stands to tree saddles and kind of playing with the tree saddles and one sticking kind of back to tree stand. I had been kind of been bouncing back and forth, so I was kind of like an in-betweener when 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 I arrived out there with you, which which we will get into. Um, so, yeah, we packed up the gear and, and uh, headed down and <clears throat> kind of got the first night sit. And uh, it was just kind yeah. of... Like you said, we we didn't go in real deep, but it was nice to just kind of go through the routine of, uh, uh, you know, getting up into a tree and whatnot.
1: Yeah, with the limited amount of time we had to get out there. And, if, you know, so we kind of we, – we didn't go to any of the, the key spots or, or want to mess up an area because, I mean, it's a rut. So we're planning on sitting all day or spending the whole entire day in a general area, and we didn't want to screw that up with only one hour. So we just went to some, some simple pinches and stuff that were easy access. And,
2: um, um you know, I don't think you, – did, you didn't see anything that night, did you? No, uh, that first night um... – I I didn't see nothing uh but a beautiful uh, sun, beautiful sunset oh, an opossum. Yeah, yeah.
1: you got the possum? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah,
2: oh, yeah, that's right. And I got the possum. Right 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 in the temple. Uh yep. I can't believe how many possums there were. I mean, man, every single night I'd sit till dark and right at dark possum city.
1: The nice thing about a possum is, if you ever lost in the woods, you just follow him, and eventually he'll take you to a road. He's going to get ran over on.
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. My uh, my daughter uh, uh, runs a trap line, and uh, her her first year, she was she's trying to catch a bobcat, and all she could get was possums after possum after possum. Uh, yeah, yeah no... and
1: her stuff. Her, I mean, you were showing me a bunch of pictures. Her taxidermy skills and her uh, the way she works with bones and cleans them. I mean, she's got mad skills.
2: Oh, it's incredible what she does. It it really is um, uh, museum quality bone work. She she just mounted a, a, a I think it was a a gray squirrel. Um, bone just the skeleton. She 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 takes every little finger knuckle and uh, macerates them and reassembles them it's pretty it's pretty yeah, that's insane it's, it's pretty insane yeah she's pretty talented so yeah first na- the first night was was just kind of going through the motions and uh we got back to camp and you know just kind of ran through the gear uh made some game plans uh looking at the maps trying to figure out uh, you know, what the wind was doing and uh, what our plan was for, for the next day. And um, we were up at 4 a.m. and getting after it.
1: Yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty different here compared to where you are over in, in Oregon, to, you know, getting out there that early. I mean, terrain to walk through. Because um, like I said, you hadn't seen much of this other than that one hour, you know, on stand that one night. But that next day, we, you know, the spot you picked was quite a ways in there and walking through there in the dark and getting to see this new country for the first time, setting up your stand in the dark. And then when daylight breaks, you get to see what's around you, It's a whole different world, isn't it? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, it really is. And, and I've done it uh, for blacktail hunting, but, but I'm used to that habitat set. Uh, so yeah, it's totally different. And I, I get down in there and that morning and I'm, you know, kind of just reading the sign and, I head down there in the dark, and I notice uh, you know I'm, I'm reading the sign and trying to figure out where I, where I want to set up. And uh, I, I kind of learned this from you and and some of my other buddies that I hunt with uh, that you can go in there with a really bright headlamp and it really doesn't uh, uh, bug the deer at all, and it makes it so you can read the sign a lot better. And so I just kind of light it up, and I'm like, okay, well, here's a, kind of a good trail here and there's this good ditch behind me, and I feel like my wind is gonna drop into that ditch and kind of push out around that field and and uh, so I was like this this should be good. so I, I start setting up and and I, and I one stick so I'm I've got my tether on there and my one stick and I'm getting ready to make my first move and i'm'm I'm, I'm actually in about gray light just about in gray light and I look over and there's a a buck with a doe 60 70 yards away just not running away from me just moving away from me and I'm like here we are here we go so uh it was pretty incredible that first morning I I I got up into the tree um had already seen a buck and a doe Um, I, the first deer that came in was at, I think nine o'clock in the morning and it was a doe and she comes running in. And, And one thing, um, where I hunt, we don't have very much, uh, uh, deciduous, uh, trees. I mean, we do have, uh, oaks in some of the places I go, but they're like, it's like, um, Oak savanna, that butts up to fir, and so you, you generally are hunting in the in the thick and not out in the oak. So um, the leaf litter is something I'm not used to.
1: Right, walking through it, hearing Wa- it, here, the animals come through it.
2: Yeah, that is so awesome. Like, a, I'm super shocked that you can walk through it and get into a tree and get forgiven. Like here comes an elephant (laughs) and and then you get in a tree and a few hours later, they forgive you. So that that's pretty cool. Um, and then it's super cool that you can hear them coming. Um, and so she comes running in and it sounds like thunder in the leaves. And man, I wasn't ready that, like I was saying, tree stands and tree saddles, I've got the tree saddle on, but I ended up setting my stand facing the trail like it for a tree stand. So I'm set up in a tree stand, but I've got my bow on the wrong side of the tree. I have it on the side of the tree for the saddle. It's just a hot mess. And so I try to get the bow and she gets by me and I, I'm like, okay, I need to move the bow hanger. So I'm moving the bow hanger when she comes back in and my bow is sitting on the seat. And this is super embarrassing, but (laughs) I dropped my bow nearly (laughs) on her. She, uh, she spooks, stops, comes back and checks out my bow. So you're sitting
1: in a tree with no bow. She's down there sniffing your bow on the ground.
2: Yeah. And I can hear another deer and I'm getting really, I'm getting super nervous. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So uh, nervous that a buck's going to come in and I'm just bowless here. So I've got, I've got a rope on the ground that has a hook on it because it's my, it's my, uh, uh, line for one sticking. And so I just move that line over with the hook Cause that's how I get my bag up, and so I just hook the bow. As soon as the bow comes off the ground, she lets the line move around and hook it. (laughs) But soon as soon as the bow comes off the ground, she takes off. And as soon as I get the bow, a spike buck comes in.
1: Right, I'm going to stop you for one sec just so people are visualizing this. You're not using a bow pull-up rope like a paracord. You're using your eight mil actual tether line that you're gonna one stick down on is what you use to pull this up you have a hook on the end of that and that's so it's that big eight mil rope is what you're actually swinging over and grabbing that bow with right i
2: I think it's six mil actually okay six millimeter is that's smaller right
1: yeah six is smaller than yeah
2: i think it's six but uh but 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 yes um that is uh exactly it so um Spike comes in, I just, you know, I had only been in tree sand for a few hours, and uh, I thought I could do better than that. I I was really hoping to shoot a two and a half year old basket rack type, or older, but I was really hoping to get like a a, a little eight point type basket rack buck, was kind of what I had my heart set on. Um, So I let the spike buck go, and he was really killable, like... He hung out like spike bucks do, uh, at least like how blacktail spike bucks do, and and uh, was kind of like, hey, look at this is my left shoulder. Let me move my. Oh, what do you think of the right one? I could we could do it on this side if you want to do it on this side. Uh, so yeah, he he went on, um, and I I started noticing though, I was on this uh, I was in this wood lot, and there was like, I had a I had a field a hay field out uh to the north of me and then i had a uh to the south of me i was in between this little brushy meadow that had some um uh cedar thicket cedars mhm yep. in there so it was kind of uh on the map it looked like it would be like an opening but it was it was a brush a little brush pocket and it was a um uh habitat switch change so you had edge there um and so uh I was noticing deer were coming my way and then cutting off and working the other side of that edge, and and they were going out around the south side. And so that that morning I observed another two good bucks uh, moving around that edge. And I did attempt to talk to to them, to uh, call to them, and um, I did have one of them come out and, and show a little bit of interest, but didn't commit. Um, and that morning I think I'd seen four bucks, one, two, three, four, five, including the spike, uh, five bucks, two does, uh, on the morning sit, I came down out of the tree cause the wind had switched and, uh, wasn't favoring me anymore. And I moved, uh, uh, two, 300 yards to uh, another woodlot pinch off the side of a creek, um, and that evening I didn't see anything but some possums. So,
1: but think about think about that though too. I mean, so you saw five bucks in the doe in one morning sit in the Midwest. Uh, when's the last time you seen five bucks in a doe in Oregon? <laughs>
2: I've never seen five bucks uh, from a tree hunting blacktails. No, no, yeah, that's what matter of saying, fact a whole different world matter of fact i had I'd been hunting blacktails before I came out, and i had uh I had like thirty hours, and I had seen one buck with a doe at at twenty eight hours in, you know after you know hunting a bunch of evening hunts, and they weren't even in range, and I was like, I remember I told you I was like oh man, I had an awesome buck and a doe come by at like 60. And you're like, well, that ain't going to do you any good. And I'm like, yeah, but that's a win. And you're like, well, what kind of win is that? And I'm like, oh man, for blacktail hunting, it's a win. <laughs> just seeing yeah. them, just seeing them, uh, uh, you know, so, um, I, I definitely found that, that whitetails, uh, uh, when the rut is going, will let their guard down more than a blacktail deer. And, uh, they will uh, come out and and uh, move around in daylight hours uh, and even come out of the brush, which uh, makes me like them so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's in the density, the deer numbers. There's so many, there's so many more of them. You know, whitetails.
2: Yeah, but it, and I was thinking about that. Um, it, when I talk about blacktail hunting, to be fair, there are places. Yeah. um that i can go to uh the the southern part of our state has high uh uh deer dense, has a good deer density and has a good uh uh age structure and so when you do go hunt a blacktail down there you're more likely to see a deer two a day you're going to see rubs uh you're going to see sign where you hunt them in these low deer densities, which most of the uh, blacktail have range is like. It's gonna, and, and then also you're gonna have more elk in those areas. The elk is gonna, they're gonna trample all the sign, and uh, and, and that southern part, that more southern part of the state is got the oak savanna. There's a little more open, and so you you can hunt places for blacktail. What I'm saying that do have. Uh, better, uh, age structure and better, uh, uh, populations where it's more doable. But for the most part, yeah, I'm hunting places where man eatest, it's a tough hunt. Right. So I am like jazzed. I'm like that, that first night I'm like, okay, like this is, I know this is going to come together. Um, if, uh, we can keep having encounters like this, I'm like, this is, uh, this is awesome. So we kind of, well, well, how was your first day?
1: Uh, I honestly don't remember. I don't remember which, um, I don't remember what order, what, how things were rolling into. And I honestly, um, I don't remember. So I got into camp a day before you did. Um, I saw, yeah, and I was covered. I well, I I only saw two bucks that first day, but it was one of them was an absolute monster. Yeah. I got it on video. You know, all my videos I put on my my Patreon thing. But I uh, I saw an absolute monster. While I was hanging my sticks on a tree, I wasn't even off the ground yet. I just put my first stick on a tree and looked over, and at twenty five yards, there was just uh, absolute beast of a deer standing right there and I actually like dropped my uh um you know my bow pull-up rope and all my stuff was on me right there grabbed my bow and knocked an arrow and was hoping I could get a shot at him right there that was my first time in and uh um you never did then I sat all day and I only buck I saw was the only thing I saw that night was another big buck probably that same one came right out of that area again walked by me 25 yards I can't shoot that far so um had to let him go but uh those were the only two things I saw that first night that I was there that night, the first night you were there, it was pretty neat to just, start, and I don't remember how many deer I've seen, but uh, I was sitting and standing getting your text messages, which were, I was laughing. You know, you're like, oh my God, there's so many deer. Oh my God, there were deer when I got in. Oh my God, there were deer when I stood up. You know, I dropped my bow. There's a deer looking at my bow right now.
2: Yeah. So yeah, uh, definitely an adventure so we get back and, and we come up with a plan and I was like man I'd, I'd really like to uh, make another play in the same spot but but make that adjustment uh, hundred yard adjustment to the other side where those bucks were slipping by and you thought that that would be a good idea so uh, that that was pretty much my game plan for the morning and so we uh, we showed up there uh, bright and early and uh, we showed up to uh, the parking lot. I wouldn't say it was full, but there there were there were people there this day.
1: This is public land. There's a lot of a lot of people and they're all coming from other states. It's uh it's it's typical rut vacation. It doesn't matter where you are, you know, in the Midwest. If it's if it's during the month of November and it's public land, there's gonna be people from all over there and that's what we kept encountering.
2: Yep. So uh we decided to stick with the plan, uh, and uh I packed up my gear and headed in. And I get down there, uh, hiking in the dark and I, I get almost to where I need to be and I see a headlamp come on and I go, oh shoot. And so I keep walking cause I'm, I, I've only hunted, I, I don't have a plan B and where I'm from, when you see someone in the woods, you approach them and you come up with a plan So to not screw that person up so that whatever, whichever, you know, whatever you're going to do. Well, as I'm approaching this guy, he starts flashing this light at me and he keeps flashing it at me. So I start walking faster. I'm like, wow, this guy, uh, he wants me to come over there. (laughs) I I found out that that means don't come over here. (laughs) That means get hit the road, Jack. (laughs) Uh, I'm hunting here and it makes sense because, uh, from an ash, I, I had to think. Of, you know, it, it was my bad because I'm I'm more of an elk hunter. I'm more of a, a, a spot and stock mule deer hunter than I am a, a, a an ambush blacktail hunter um, at heart. And when we're out hunting and we see another guy, and even in, even when we're blacktail hunting, everybody's hunting on. You know, no one's ambush hunting. You might be, but everybody else isn't. So we always approach each other and find out what their game plan is for the day. Uh, so that you could have, you, you both could go in your own way and, and maybe not screw each other up. So I, I went over and this guy seemed a little frustrated that I showed up because obviously you're, you don't want extra scent, more scent stream coming to where you're setting up. It makes perfect sense. And he was, he was nice enough, but I could tell he was frustrated and, you know, told me to go find another place to hunt. And so, so uh, I, I. I did, I went stumbled around in the dark and I was a little flustered and, uh, set up in a, a spot that, uh, I don't think I saw anything. Yeah. I don't think I saw anything. Um, I didn't set, I ended up not, end up being that far from him. That's what it, what it was. And I remember actually I called you and I was like, what do I do? Do I, do I set up, don't you know, 150 yards from this guy and you're like, it's public land. It doesn't really matter. And I was, I was really kind of uncomfortable uh, trying to learn how to navigate dealing with uh, hunting in tree stands with other people in tree stands. So it was just a new thing for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was paddling on the river when you, uh, when you called me. I was, you know, getting close to where I was going to go drop in at. And uh, I got your call and you're like, there's another guy in the spot. He's literally in the exact spot I wanted to go at. I'm like, well, set up somewhere around there. I mean, you aren't running. Their rut is rut, so they're not just going to walk right there. But, uh, you know, look for something else that's around there or head to that other backup spot that you wanted to go to and, uh, you know, it's, but I mean, there was, there's definitely, it, you know, dealing with other hunters is, is part of the game when you're white tail on. Yeah. There's just no two ways around it.
2: So I, I went and set up, uh, in, in the same area, uh, and I, and I was trying to be, um, courteous to that guy to not screw him up, but still give myself a chance. And so I sat up there and, uh, it was maybe like two hours into it and I was hearing deer blow over on his end of the thing. And it wasn't it wasn't from from where I was at. My wind wasn't going over there. Um and I said, you know what? This is just I wasn't having fun anymore. So I was like, I'm 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 coming down, I'm moving. And it was like prime time, like ten o'clock, like ten to two, right? It's kinda like you really want to be somewhere. Um but I, I just went ahead and came down and I'll also mention that um leading up to this trip, uh I'm a bit of a sissy when it comes to cold, and so I made sure that I had insulated boots and thick socks and a new coat and hand warmers and a new hat and make sure that I wasn't going to turn into an icicle out there, and leading into the trip, we saw the weather was going warm on us, Um, and I still brought my cold weather stuff, and I'm glad I did because I found that even their version of warm I was still kinda of cold. Uh in in the mornings, but it was pretty warm. And so that, that afternoon it was like seventy seven degrees or something.
1: Yeah, the afternoons were getting hot, but the mornings were still, you know, they were twenty-eight, thirty, thirty-two degree mornings, thirty-five yeah. degree mornings. They were cold in the morning.
2: Yeah. So I remember I was hiking in the uh that uh, that morning. It was pretty hot. And I uh I got to looking on my uh on an my on X and I was like, man, I, this ground is all just so flat. And I, where I'm from, I'm from mountain country and I, I need some terrain. And I was like, oh man, a mile over this way and across this river, there's a, uh, or this canal, there's 300 feet of elevation gain. So, uh, and I could see it. I was standing there. I could just see it out on the horizon. I was like that mountain over there. So it drew me in. Like that a, mountain, I love it. Yeah, that mountain. <laughs> that mountain. That's what it looked like. Uh, it's obviously not a mountain, but uh, when you're standing in flat ground and you see 300 feet elevation gain, it looks like a mountain. And I was like, I'm headed over to the mountain. So uh, as soon as I made that decision, I was back into fun. Oh, having lots of fun. I got over there and found a way to get across that water. And of course. Uh, where I found across the waters where the deer were crossing the water. So there was a ton of sign and just oh Man like what I like about whitetail hunting is the same thing. I like about elk hunting it uh, you're on the move and you're reading sign and you're using your woodsmanship skills and These whitetails lay down a lot of sign so it makes it tons of fun just interpreting the sign, figuring out the direction of travel, uh, determining you know if, is this nocturnal, uh, you know trying to uh, uh, you know put time time on the sign and, and, and age it age the sign. Um, I I geek out on that stuff. I think it's ton of fun. So uh, I'm you know contemplating on doing this setup on this water crossing, and I was like, nah, no, nah, I'm having too much fun and and. I I know I'm in some beautiful country. And my phone's coming out all the time, and I'm just taking pictures of trees. I'm like, oh, look at this cool tree. <laughs> like, yeah. So it was pretty awesome. Uh, I'm I'm I've already got a destination in mind. Uh, I see some good creek hedgers. and uh, those are those are spots that I, I've had good luck getting movement um, on blacktails. So i'm I'm headed up to these to these creek headers and so i I'm going up to these series of benches oh, and I get up uh, and I'm following this uh this drain and I get up uh and, and I kind of circle out around because there there's two main ones that I think are going to be good and I don't want to go up them so I'm going up one but i'm i'm I've gone down to the south and i'm and i'm I'm hooking up to the top of this plateau and I get up onto this plateau and I'm working down this plateau and I run into uh, some really good bedding, uh, cedar bedding uh, and there's grass and there's some trees and there's this killer spot to set up there, but the wind isn't right. So I mark it and I'm like, this is a spot that I'm going to hunt later. You know, I need a, um, a North wind, uh, And I'll come back and and I'll hunt this. And so uh, I uh, make it down to that uh, first header. And it looks good. And so I'm like, yeah, let's just set up on this one. So I set up on it. And I can see where the main trail is that comes around. And then there's a secondary. And so I kind of set up on that secondary. And one thing to note, when I was watching a lot of YouTube. I will hear guys talk about high stem count and hunting in the thick, and then I would see the video, and it would look like, I, I, I was having a hard time relating because this deciduous leafy country, when the leaves are off, there is a lot of stick, stem. Yeah, stick stem. yeah but there's not a lot of brush. And, and uh, when you take a picture of it, on your phone or you look at it on video, it looks like pretty open, but when you're actually physically there, it's pretty thick. Um, it, it, it doesn't do it justice when you see it on a, 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 It's real a, sticky. It's real a real stick,
1: sticks everywhere.
2: Sticks everywhere. Very sticky. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there and this is a highlight. This is one of the highlights to the trip. I'm on this creek header. Um, got. Good, good wind. The way I see, you know, I I see this this. Uh, if I got a deer buck coming in, he's gonna be coming, you know, I, from this trail. Like that's how it's gonna happen. And uh, and, and my winds just kind of like going off. Like I feel like I feel like super good about it. I'm like this, just like one of those gut feelings. You're like this is a setup that is dynamite. So I'm sitting there, like, just soaking it all in. And it's getting, it's getting four or something. It's getting, we're, we're, we're heading to the golden hour. We're in the golden hour. It's heading to closing time. And here comes this Boone and Crockett. Absolute monarch. I mean, you know, saggy chest, Roman nose, big old rack. I mean, his rack comes out and it's wide and it swings forward and it almost pushes out in front of his nose and the shape of the antlers are like triangles and squares and they're not (laughs) they're flat and they're bladed and he's got six on one side and seven on the other he's got a big hook oh man and he's just walking slow motion reading all his senses he's just coming and he's just 80 yards, 70 yards. He's just coming right to, up to me. And the way it's going to work is he's going to come through all this high stick stuff. And when he cuts to do this header, I'm going to be able to shoot him right there. It's, gonna, it's not going uh, to be great. Uh, I mean, my shooting lane is small. And then if he goes to the better header, it it opens it up. Um, So he's coming, he's coming. I'm set, arrow knocked. I'm I'm breathing through my nose, deep breaths. I'm calming myself. Uh, And he just stops short and looks around and just stands there. And he's at 20 and it is like all thick. I can't see anything that would be remotely ethical to send an arrow in there. And and he's broadside and all that. Like
1: Right, and he's clear. I mean, you it looks like he's standing out there in the open, but when you're looking at it, there's stick, 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 stick. You know, there's no way to shoot through it, but it's like you, yeah, you can see. I can it see him
2: clean as day, but there isn't even a kinda window. There isn't like there isn't even a window that a that a three hundred feet per second bow could go through. Right. I'm like, ah, oh, man, okay. Um, he's just standing there, and you know, and I remember like trying to talk myself into, you know, oh, kneel down, you know, and and and, and I know at this point I'm getting, a, I, I I can feel the fever coming on just a little bit, and he just decides to go four by fouring through some boulders. Because this drains, like, it gets real steep, and it's all rocky. And then where it's not rocky is where those trails are. And he just decides that he's not going to use those trails. Like a like a mature, old buster buck would. In an in, in, uh, old mature buck fashion, he does the hop, skip, and jump, and stays in the thick. And gets over there to about 40 or 50 yards. And now a compound guy does have some windows in this stuff and he would have waxed him. He went over there and smelt the ground for a little bit. I hadn't been over there. I don't know what he was smelling, uh, another deer. And then he moved on down to the other drainage or down to the other side of the drain. It was incredible. It was so awesome. I was like, this is possible. Like that was like, that the confidence I got from that one was huge. I was like, I wasn't even thinking about white tails. I was like, I'm gonna kill a giant blacktail too. Like, like I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting better at picking my spots. And and uh, so
1: that was when you sent me, uh, you sent me a new pin. You're like, hey, when you come to pick me up, pick me up here. I looked at it. And I just texted you back. I'm like, did some walking, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: I ended up, uh, I, I got to looking, and I was like, oh well, man, I'm like three and a half miles from the parking lot, but I'm I'm only a mile. Uh, from this other parking lot and uh, so yeah you accommodated me that was nice Uh, and you know once you got done with your hunt or whatever and um, I'll tell you uh, I'll I'll throw a note out right now a big mistake I made and uh, this is this does not reflect on Jason at all but you know Jason was like yeah man I'll pick you up from the airport and you know we'll be hunting all the same areas no worries and I know out here Whenever my friends want to go hunting with me, uh, I'm always like, everyone's welcome to join me, but everyone has to be in separate vehicles because you just never know what's going to happen on a hunt when someone needs to go get something or needs to go home or you just never know. But, uh, I made the gigantic mistake of, uh, of just, uh, carpooling, uh, with Jason on this and, uh. As you guys will will hear on this, it it did it did add to the adventure. We'll just say that it added to the (laughs) adventure. Uh, It's
1: nice when everybody's got their own rig that can you know where you're self sufficient, so you can if you got to get down, you're not bothering anybody, or if you want to relocate or you need anything like that, you know you have the freedom to do it.
2: Absolutely, and and I'll 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 uh, I'll never make that mistake again. Um, So uh, like that night. it's not like I had anything else to do I didn't but you you know I I put myself on the whole other side of the mountain so uh or the whole other side of the property so you know I I chilled out there for for a while to get picked up and we get picked up
1: and and actually on that too like that spot I was in where you were at there that spot I was in where I had to go to get to mine it was it was a thousand yard to, to get back out of there like when I left my when I walked out of where I was hunting It was actually, that one was 600 yards of of walking uphill and then down a ridge to get to the river. Then it was almost three quarters of a mile of paddling upstream. Then when I got there, I had to tie off my boat, climb a steep bank, and then I had a thousand yards straight uphill walk back to get to my truck. So it took me an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes to get from when I was done hunting back to the truck before I could even then come and get you, which was a 20 minute ride.
2: Right. And so... And I'm not even remotely, if this sounds like I'm complaining about waiting a couple hours to get picked up, uh, to the, to the people listening. No, no. Um, uh, the, the trouble comes later. You'll hear, uh, get that, you know, I had nothing to do. Like I just would call my wife and whatever. So no, that was fine. Um, so, uh, we had, uh, wind switching that next day. I think we
1: had a lot of weird winds and and, you know, we had hot temperatures which brought in weird winds and we had a lot of East East winds, winds. which are almost rare. Yeah, You know I mean? It was, it was definitely what you hunted in was, was some of the worst conditions that people have ever experienced out there. Oh yeah. Um, yeah.
2: I'm super social. So whenever I would like, uh, like going home in the airport, I talked to quite a few hunters and, and gas station. Anytime I ran into another person, I was BSing them and, and people were saying that it was hard times like the weather was the movement and lockdown and this and that and it, it was yeah it wasn't uh prime time per se but what was funny about that was uh I'm seeing a deer uh every time I get in the tree stand so I'm just happy as uh a kid in the candy store i mean i'm like what a- uh and and you're telling me oh you could be seeing 8 9 at nine deer and i'm like oh well I, i'm seeing one like i i i was i was pretty content
1: <laughs>
2: so we had we uh uh pick out some new spots um uh you sent me cyber, to
1: cyber scouting we were all cy- that yeah. is, when when you say pick out new spots we were we don't we never actually ever went into the woods and scouted around and looked for the most part other no. than like what you just did when you were like, well, I'm moving. So you scouted yeah. into a new spot. But otherwise, right. we were picking every spot basically while we were sitting at Texas Roadhouse.
2: Yeah, we'd go, we yeah, we'd go to Texas Roadhouse for dinner every single night. And then we would uh, sit there and, and come up with a game plan. And so, yeah, you go in in the dark with the bright headlamp. And you read sign and you check the wind and uh, you uh, use your gut. I, 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 man, it seems like your gut has a lot to do with this. Uh, I, I, I'm following my gut the, the whole time. Um, so I get dropped off, uh, Oh, dark 30 heading in there. Um, this is, uh, this spot's awesome. There's rubs, big deer tracks and scrapes on this bench that I come in on for 150 yards, there's just buco sign. And I come to this massive scrape with like three other scrapes on the side. And there's this little ditch, this little, uh, not ditch. There's this little draw. This like a lot of the topography out in this country, because it's very flat, it's micro topography. I'm going to call it. It's very subtle, but it works the same way. And, and I knew that just through doing a lot of research and, and then, I, you know, you can throw the milkweed and you can see how, how it works. And so you, you, uh, often are using this little thing. That's gonna, that's gonna pull the thermals, uh, a, a little different and move your wind this way, you know, or that way. And so, um, I found the spot that looked pretty good, um, picked a tree, headed up um i'm sitting there uh first light i can hear deer uh, i'm in this area that's got three benches that are running about 2 300 yards uh east and west uh creek in the bottom to the north and a highway to the south uh, And what was interesting about the highway was in the morning, uh, uh, I hear honking and like deer,
1: (laughs) deer running across the road in front of somebody. Yeah.
2: And, And I'm like, are they coming to the bedding area? Or are they leaving the vetting area, you know, and I'm checking the wind. Like, am I blowing them out of here? And I'm like, no, I got good wind. But I, I've heard, I heard this a couple times in the morning time. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of comical. Um, uh, and so I see uh, at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, I see this really nice 10-point buck. And he is working this trail on the edge of betting and he's just taking a sweet time working smelling and I watch him he's about a hundred and twenty five yards away from me and uh he's up on the, the upper bench the furthest top bench and I watch him for about a hundred yards uh, when I first hear him, it's like binos I'm watching with binos I couldn't see him with my naked eye and and I'm watching him and he works his way right on by me at about a but the closest he comes to me is about a about a hundred yards uh, and he works his way down this bench and I hear him and he goes out to the point and he beds. I don't see this, but I hear it and I'm like I'm pretty sure he is bedded out there on that point. And I remember I'd asked you, I was like, if you're seeing a lot of deer out of range, like how many does it take for you to move? Like why, why, you know, what, what dictates a move? Because I am sitting on a, on really good sign. And, uh, I remember you saying, you know, well, if you see a buck do it, maybe, you know, but if you see a a, a a multiple does doing it, definitely. Isn't that what you said?
1: Yeah, chase the does because if there's, you know, any buck during the rut, any buck is going to be, if a doe walks through, he's going to scent check where she went. So if you're, if you have a, you know, if you got a buck that comes by, you have 50, 60, 80, 100 yards out of the range, he may just be over there for whatever and it's no big deal. If two or three do it or two or three deer you know, move over there. That's one thing. But if I get a doe, if I have a doe and a buck, especially like a buck dog and a doe, but if they walk somewhere, I'm going to wherever they walk. Cause every other buck that comes through will be going to check where
2: she's she, been walking at. Right. And so I was contemplating that cause we had just talked about that the night before. And I was like, but he betted. I know he did. And I was like, I think I need to move closer. I was like, I, I, and it took me about an hour and a half to, 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 to talk myself into this. So I was going back and forth. So now it's like 10 30 and, uh, I was planning on doing an all day sit in this spot. Uh, I had the East wind and it was consistent and it was working perfect for where I was at. I really liked where I was, where I was at. The only thing I didn't like about it was, uh, uh, I had a, uh, a really nice buck, uh, pulling me upward, right? And-,
1: and and actually to pause you there for one second, just to put it into people's perspective. You know, moving stands is, you know, you got to figure you're looking at, um, you know, if you do it super fast, it's a 15 minute deal. Okay. If you do it, you know, if you do it at normal speed, it's a 20 minute deal. If you take your time with it or you got to pick something or change something, it's a 30 minute deal. But to take 30 minutes out of your hunt during prime time, wander around on the ground, know you're going to walk over there, know you're going to make a little bit of noise, to go through this process to convince yourself. To, you're going to find a half hour time frame in there to pull this move off without screwing things up or getting busted or risking having a deer come through to see you is a really hard decision when you're in these kind of places during the rut.
2: It really is. And for me, I timed it because I was doing a lot of up and down and it takes me 30 minutes, exactly 30 minutes. Once I've picked the tree to be super quiet, to, to to pretend like I'm setting up on a deer right next to me because that's how I set up every time because uh, I'm setting up in the dark. I you know like the first time I set up I had deer forty yards. I had a buck and a doe forty yards for me the first time I set up uh, uh, over on this hunt. So it takes me thirty minutes uh, to to go super slow. When I say thirty, that means I'm up the backpack's up the boat that bow hanger's in the tree the boat the arrows. Not, I'm ready to like, I'm back, back to hunting. It takes me every bit of 30 minutes and it takes me 15 minutes to get out of a tree and pack up. And it takes me, so you're
1: looking at almost an hour, you're looking at an hour time frame long yes. to get reset up. Yep. Yes.
2: And, uh, so I'm like, I'm going to lose an hour here and I'm going to do it in this like spot that I could very well get busted in because i'm hearing deer up in the bedding area to to the east moving around uh and i've got this buck uh on the west point bedded so i'd seen this tree i remember this i remember i seen i i remember i i seen him walk by this tree and stop and hang out by this tree and then go up and head into the bedding, and. I looked at that tree a bunch with my binos and everything about that tree looked good like as far as me being able to get into it and not have to cut limbs but it also had it offered cover and it looked like you know it had some shooting lanes uh, avail like it just looked like the right tree because I was trying to pick the tree from the tree I was in. I didn't want to go over there and and, uh, wander around. And and this tree was actually in a, a straight line. It was just straight up the hill to me. It was just right in front of me. So, I, and, and I liked the way the what the wind was doing in the tree I was in the way it was hooking off the way it was. I was like, I think that that would work good for me. So I made the move. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, 12 o'clock, uh, I, I was, uh, back in, back up, ready to hunt. So I, I think I, I made the move at 11 and, and at noon I was uh back in the tree. And, uh, I sat there, uh, all afternoon. Um, I seen a, uh, raccoon, man, the Midwest has Booner raccoons. <laughs> I mean, they are d- double sized, Those corn fed. Jeez. Holy moly. Um, and, uh, I had a, uh, bobcat come out and she was, uh, going up to these little holes in the rocks Cause there was like kind of like this rock rim, uh, by me and she was dangling her paw on these holes, like trying to bait, uh, mice or something to come out of the holes. She was out, out on a little, on a little hunt. It was super cool. I filmed her on my phone and, uh, I was like, well, um, you know, really listening nothing was really happening. And I was starting to think, man, uh, if something doesn't happen soon, uh, this is not going to happen. And right as I thought that, I heard him get out of his bed. I heard, I mean, literally just clear as day. He gets out of his bed and starts walking my way. I don't see him yet. But it, yeah, I'm like, and I, I I start breathing through my nose, four seconds in the nose, four seconds in combat breathing, calming my heart. Getting myself uh, ready, uh, that really helps me a ton. It, it keeps the buck fever at bay. It works every time for me. It gets me, you know, I'm calm as a cucumber. When I start breathing, and here he comes. He comes strutting down the trail. I, I'm like, kind of in awe. I was like, holy moly! Like, I, I literally
1: those antlers come through the come through all that brush. Yes, it, it? it is,
2: and, and 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 I'm like, I can't believe like this buck beds them in the morning and I just stay here all day long. And now he's just coming right out. I'm like, this is like a, like a white tail dream. Like these are the, these are the stuff that I see on the, on the, on the YouTube channels. And uh, it's happening right now. Like, right, right. I come, I'm, I'm the guy. I was like, this is so awesome. So he's coming he's taking a sweet time, man. Like he is just smelling and, just be bopping and man, we were getting into closing time and this trail it's 20 yards. He's going to walk by 20 yards. This trail just, it goes, uh, West to East, 20 yards. Um, it's going to be great. And he just gets to the point where he's like 40 yards quartering two. And he just comes right off the trail and comes bebopping down like happy, like like relaxed, like hoo Comes running down to my tree. My tree has—I come to find out—there's uh, acorns under my tree, and they're preferred. Uh, whites. Yeah, they're whites, and I'm in a white oak, and he likes them. And he he just comes tromping down to the candy store, and he's eating. And he is standing underneath my tree stand. <laughs> like his whole body is up against the tree and he is underneath the stand. He's right there. And right. I have, no
1: no shot yet, but he's standing under you.
2: Yeah, he's just uh uh you know, one yard away. And it's it's dark it's getting dark on me. Like I, I've got three or four minutes of legal shooting light left. And he's popping acorns, and I can hear him popping them. And he comes around the tree, and my tree stand is facing the east. And to my, and I'm in it, I'm I'm facing the tree because I'm s- saddle hunting. Here saddle. I'm You're in a saddle. I'm in
1: saddle hunting, leaning on a platform.
2: Mm-hmm. And so my strong shot is to the left, which I was set up for him to walk on by and have, have him shoot that way. Well, my weak side is all oak brush, and he is now moved out into my weak side, and he is five yards, six yards. In the sticks. And there's not um, sticks between me and him down there. There's just the limbs that are all, like, the, the sticks are right in front of me, in my face. They're not between me and him. They're right, right there. Like I'm putting my arrow inside these holes and drawing my bow back going, I think I'll clear all that. Like there's, that's good. That should work. And then he's not, you know, giving me a shot. And then I'm like drawing my bow back again. And I've got my bro, like I'm putting my broadhead in the hole right there. And when I shoot it, my arrow just hits one of those little limbs and pushes my arrow off about three feet to the right. And it goes into the ground, and he, it, he hears it, you know, hits the ground, and he runs about 20 yards off, stops, looks back, and then just walks away. And I'm devastated. Out of your life forever. Yeah, dude, I'm devastated. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then, and then the shaking begins, and I can't even get out of the tree stand because I'm shaking so bad. I'm like, oh my goodness, you gotta be kidding me. And then I'm like, you know, uh Jocko Willink, he has this uh this YouTube uh uh video, if you guys should look it up, it's called good. And uh he'd say, Good, good. It means uh, I get a hunt again tomorrow. It means uh <laughs> you know, uh that uh this is gonna come together just fine. You know, and that, that was my response. That was my response all year with elk hunting. Every time it didn't work out, I'd be like, Good, good. Awesome. Uh, it's going to be better next time. So we went back to the Texas Roadhouse. And I think John, does John join us this night?
1: Yeah, John got there. That was what, yeah, that John was there. Because um, he came in. Yeah, he came in. And, uh, that night. Was Michael there that night too, or did he come in the next night? Cause the next Michael night. Arnett came in too. He came in the next night. Yep, yeah, He hung out with us.
2: Yeah. So, so John came to dinner and we went back to the Texas roadhouse and back to coming up with a plan. And, uh, that night, uh, as I was sh- shaking like a leaf, I made the decision for the first time on this trip to leave my stand in the tree and that I was going to return. Cause I had the same wind, same East winds tomorrow. And, uh, I didn't think that I boogered this buck. I know that he didn't get my wind. And, uh, I, I wanted to, I wanted to get it, get in there and give it another, give it another whirl. Um, but I did, I did come to the conclusion that even though my strong side shot was having my stand facing the East, that the way the tree was leaning and the way that brush was, man, I just, i my gut once again told me that I should move that stand. And so I stayed in that tree that night, but I went ahead and I moved the stand to the opposite to facing the west before I got out of it so I moved the stand and got down and uh, left everything in the tree and uh, we went and had uh, dinner and uh, that next morning
1: no, this was was the
2: morning wasn't it yeah this is the morning (laughs) Uh, we get dropped I get dropped off that morning Um, you know our routine is we get up at four in the morning and uh, we're at a state park and there's uh hundreds and hundreds of camp spots at this place. It's a giant state park and there's it's not just hunters. There's uh uh there's a lot of uh uh campers. Yeah, and and some shady characters too that are kind of living there. Um and uh uh so when you go to shower or, or uh drop the kids off the pool in the morning, uh you know, you see uh, all sorts of walks of life in there. Um, yeah, now
1: keep in mind too. Also, some of the reasons we're leaving this early is uh, because you know, not only do I got to drop him off at a spot he's going to, I then got to drive to a spot I'm going to. And again, something like this particular day here, again, it's taken me over an hour to get to the spot I want to hunt, he's not even hanging the stand, but it's over an hour of travel time from uh you know hiking down all the way down to the river get my boat unhook my boat get my boat in the water repaddle that boat for almost three quarters of a mile park the boat climb up a steep bank tie things off yeah. get all my gear together and then hike in six eight nine hundred yards from there so i got all yeah. this time that i got to do so i can't uh you know in order to be in early that means because we were carpooling that James has got to get there early.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah, we're, our carpooling is definitely costing us uh, sleep, both of us sleep, because we're going in different areas. And uh, like you said, and I've got to get dropped off and you've got to drive 20, 30 minutes to where you're going. And so it's costing us a good hour of sleep every morning for sure. So uh, I'm getting dropped off extra early because you got to get to your spot. So yep. like you said, so here I am. It's getting light out at seven, and I'm getting dropped off at five a.m. And my 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 sets are fortunately I'm already set, so I've got two hours uh, in the dark to waste. And my, my plan that morning, honest, I don't think it, we talked about it, but my plan was uh, actually was to uh, take a nap right where you dropped me off for about an hour and a half because I was like, why? What I'm already set. Why? You know, I'd like to get in there in the dark, but I don't want to get in there too soon. Right. So, I was going to take a little half uh, hour nap. Uh, and, uh, I reached for my, uh, you, you pull out of there and I reached for my telephone, for my cell phone. And, uh, I realized that I don't have it. And I, I start like panicking and then I try to, I calm myself down and I'm like, you know, it's, you know, you don't have to have a cell phone to survive. You will be just fine. You know where, you're, you know, where you're going, you know what you're doing. And, uh, I sit there and I think about it for a second, and I come. To, I'm like, "Wait a minute! No, 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 no! Your phone is not in camp. Twenty five miles from here, twenty miles from here. Your can't, your phone is in the public bathroom. It is in the shitter stall, sitting magnetic on
1: magnetic to the wall. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's got a magnet on my phone case, and it's just stuck to the to the wall right next to the toilet paper. And the next person that goes in there to take a dump is gonna see my phone, and I just, oh my gosh, I am like, everything is on that phone, my, oh you know, like, I can't, I, I can't, uh, I can't have, I can't lose this phone on this trip, I just cannot, and I cannot go sit in a tree stand and go hunting, while my phone is just waiting for someone to steal it, and who am I gonna call, oh wait, I can't call anyone, because I don't have a phone. And even if I did, I'm like, I don't know Jason's phone number. Like, I how could I call him even if I got to a phone? I was like, I don't know anybody's phone number <laughs> anymore. Like when I was younger and before, you know, I used to know everybody's phone number. And uh, I've never lost my cell phone before. So I, I do. What, I, I'm like, I, either I've got to start walking or I've got to find help. So I go up to the highway. And at first, I'm like kind of submissive and I'm like kind of just like got my headlamp out and I kind of wave it and cars are just flying by me. And uh, then I was like, this is not working. Uh, Then no cars come by for like 15 minutes. And so... It's
1: like 4.30 in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, it is.
2: It's 4.30 in the morning. And so... I finally, here comes a, here comes a rig and I stand out in the middle of the highway and I put my headlamp on as bright as I possibly can. And I stop literally stopped this truck and I notice the truck slowing up. And when the truck gets up to me, my thought is, hey, okay, put, flash the light on yourself to let this person know that you're not like a creep, you know, like don't, you know, blind them with your light. So I end up blinding myself with my own light to, to kind of like, hey, I'm, um, you know i need help and so i'm kind of blinded by the light and i'm looking at this guy and i'm telling him i'm like hey man i i will pay you money i have i have cash right here i will pay you money if you can give me a ride uh back to this campground and i notice that he's wearing head to tokuyu clothing and he's a hunter and I start to get, like, I'm like, oh, man, this is this is better, right? And, uh, yeah, David Dunn. Shout out to David Dunn from Texas, uh, EMT firefighter. He says that he's pulling up on me, and he's like, oh, there goes my hunt. He's thinking car accident, and he's thinking he's an EMT firefighter, and he's got to help. And he's thinking... He's about to get bloody, and he, he's about to not go hunting this morning. And uh, I tell him what's going on, and he doesn't even blink an eye. Jump in the truck, brother. And he I'm telling him where I need to go, and he goes, oh, no, I'm i am staying at the same campground. So we drive over there, and we go to the public bathroom, and I get my phone, and I'm apologizing to him because I realize that I, I've just cut a good hour into his hunt. And, uh, he's, you know, mobile hunting. There's no way he's going to be, uh, in a tree before the sun comes up. So, uh, you know, I keep apologizing uh, to him and he's telling me not to worry about it. And I offer him some money and he doesn't want me. And, and so, uh, we exchange phone numbers and, uh, uh, I get dropped off, uh, it's still in, in the dark and I actually make it to my tree stand right at, before gray light. And, uh, I send uh, him a text uh, thanking him again, and and uh, oh, uh, two hours later, uh, down the same trail as uh, the, the morning before. Here comes a nice little three and a half year old basket rack eight nice little eight point buck exactly what i uh was hoping for and here he comes he's just strutting not a care in the world Be bopping down the trail man they move different than a mature buck uh when they go to that four and a half it it, it seems to be a big difference like these younger bucks like he's not just stopped and smelling. He's just cruising,
1: careless and random.
2: Yeah, he's just walking. Yeah, you know, like, like these these two big buck encounters I have, they're like in slow motion, and they're just constantly, uh, you know, check, checking checking the wind and smelling the ground, and and uh, this dude's just bebopping. So he comes on through, and I'm like thinking I'm gonna have to stop him because he doesn't seem to be stopping at all. And he, he gets right to about broadside and he just stops on his own. And he starts smelling the ground. And it's sticky out there, but it doesn't look super bad. And uh, I draw back and pick a spot and feels good and let her fly. And man, my arrow hit something between me and him and it totally loses arrow like makes my arrow go wonky and it ends up one foot at the base of a tree in the tree he runs into into a little cedar tree cedar brush tree no it's not a cedar tree it's a little it's a little tiny pecker pole tree next to the cedar tree cedar brush he goes into the brush. And he comes back out right away, and he's looking at that arrow, and he just goes right up to the arrow, and he's sniffing it. And I load up another arrow, and he's broadside, and he's just like two feet, three feet to the right of where he was before, and he's facing the east instead of the west. And here comes the next arrow. And this one... He absolutely ducks the string. I mean, he just dips to the ground and, ru- and runs off and trots. And my arrow goes into the ground. And it's three feet, two feet past and two feet over from the other arrow. <laughs> he, he, he trots over, looks at those arrows, and then trots back over to the arrows again. <laughs> And he gets to look at those arrows and he goes over to that second arrow and he goes and sniffs that arrow. Arrow number three comes. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, he ducks that arrow biggest, biggest shit. And I am just like beyond myself. Uh, I'm just falling apart at this point. So and now
1: you got three arrows sticking out of the ground right
2: yeah, oh and this 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 arrow is right next to that arrow now i i I got one in the tree uh and then I got two almost touching each other
1: and a deer still standing there,
2: and the deer is just off to the right, looking at those arrows again. He comes back to the arrows a third time, looks at those arrows. And then he just walks off the trail and goes down under my tree and starts munching
1: acorns.
2: (laughs) And I mean, he is standing right under my tree, like five yards. And arrow number four is broken from the night before from missing that big buck. It's broke at the broadhead. I shoved it back up in the quiver when I pull it out, I can just see the broadhead leaning off to the right broken. I, I shoot, uh, uh, wood, shoot arrows. wood arrows and, and they're very strong, but they, they don't do good when they hit rocks. Um, so I'm out of arrows. I've got a blunt and a broken broadheaded arrow and I've got a, a, a buck, uh, standing there, uh, at five yards munching on acorns. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. He gets my wind eventually and runs off. And so, so
1: let's let's pause it there for a second and look at it from from my perspective. I'm in a spot out there and I get a text. That, you know, like right after daybreak, and it says that the text message comes in from James Orr. It's got his name on my phone. You know, it shows James Orr. And it says, "I lost my phone" or "I left my phone in the bathroom at camp." I said, "What are you What are you texting me on?" He's like, oh, no, I went and got it. I have I flagged somebody down. He drove me back to camp to get it. I'm laughing. I'm in my I'm – like, I'm literally laughing. And Stan's like, oh, my God. And picturing how that scenario went. And I told him, you know, I'm like, well, good, glad you got it back. And, uh, you know, you're haunted, this kind of stuff. And then literally, so here it is a couple hours later, I get another text. A- anybody going back to camp today? I'm out of arrows.
2: <laughs> I, I climbed down. <laughs> I climb down and I've got a little uh a little diamond stone rod in my backpack and uh I pull my arrows out, out of the ground and I'm like oh, I got to I got to clean these up. I've only got one arrow that's not broken. The other two are broken. And so I like They're
1: wood so it's not like you can swap heads from a sharp one to a different one. They're wood arrows. Everything's glued together.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the, the only arrow that I have that's any good is the one that was in the tree because when they hit the ground, this ground is all rocky. It's super, the, not, not necessarily where we were hunting's rocky, but where I'm hunt this particular spot, there was like, like I talked about that Bobcat was working that rock. I'm set up around a lot of rock. I it's very rocky where I'm at and, uh, all these arrows go into the ground and hit, hit this rocky ground and break immediately so I'm down to one arrow and uh I don't have a, a file I just have this it's more of like a a, a diamond you know to, to hone to to keep your head sharp not to to bring one b- back to from dull to sharp but I, I get it doable but I'm like man I at the rate things have been going I sure don't feel very confident hunting with one arrow and you say that John uh perhaps maybe uh moving spots at uh on the lunch hour so i send john a text and ask him and he says that uh you know he's contemplating it he'll let he'll let me know how his morning hunt goes and and he may move so uh here i am uh, once again should have got a rental car because i left my phone in the bathroom uh i should have got a rental car because i just de-quivered uh and uh i've got uh another uh eight sharp broad-headed arrows waiting for me in camp. They would have been in my rental car waiting for me at the parking lot. <laughs> right?
1: It's all yep part of the game. Yep.
2: So uh uh you know here I am uh uh taking out of John's time. Uh it's fast. He picks me up, we run to camp, but fast is still an hour. It's an hour, you know, I, I waste an hour of John's time, uh, but we do get sandwiches out of the deal, which I think we both appreciated.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: so I like literally we pull in, make sandwiches in one minute. I get arrows, boom, we're out of there. I get back to the spot. I get dropped off. And I, I remember I, I texted you and I was like, I've now missed a big buck from this tree. And I've missed a nice basket buck from this tree. I had to go up and pull my arrows and, and put out a little ground scent in the area that I expect the deer to be working. Um, I'm feeling like about, I'm thinking I'm going to move, I'm going to move my set. And uh, you said, man, It's working and if nothing's spooked you know you might you might consider staying and i said yeah i think you're right uh
1: because yeah, it's the rut you know i mean you've, you got bucks coming through there that haven't been there in days you know they've been out yeah. searching other places you don't yeah. you know and and obviously the spot you're in is where two bucks have already walked through already
2: yep and you and i think you said something around the lines of just to, to use your gut you know and that's what i'd been operating on anyway and i was like man they neither of these bucks smelled me. I've yet to see the does, but I can hear them up in this brush. Uh, I don't see any other hunter sign, and another note: when I walk, when I walk back in that, as I'm contemplating that at the trailhead. Oh, and, and I also, uh, since I'm just being super uh, honest here. I call Joel Turner when I get dropped off, uh, Joel's my, my head my head coach, and I'm like, Joel, I'm a hot mess, I don't know what the hell, like, I just missed this buck, I know that it was from a limb, and I'm pretty sure he, he you know, he knew I was there, and then he's ducking the string, but it's like these things are invincible, what the hell? <laughs> It's like they're invincible. Yeah, I was like they got as like it's like they got a shield around them protecting them and he's like that's BS or you've got this, buddy. He's like, You're making strong shots, right? I'm like, Yeah, I did I'm making strong shots, but he, he's he's like, You gotta move past that. Your next shot, you're gonna X one. You know, he talked me up. He's like, You there's nothing to worry about because you got this. And I was like, All right, buddy, I love you, thank you. And uh I, I go and shoot arrows to Joel. Uh I try to at least three, four times a year. We meet up at shoots, I go to his house. Uh he's he, he's uh he's a good buddy of mine, he's an awesome guy, he's been super helpful for me. So uh I'm 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 headed in and uh I'm like dude, it seems like this is my third trip into this area, and every time I hike into this area, there's more sign. Like there's more rubs the scrapes seem to be more freshened up like it just seems like it seems like somehow there was sign laid down between me leaving which there's no way but I'm just noticing like I'm like wow this place is loaded you know so I'm like okay there's no reason to 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 leave so uh I super careful not touching you know I'm really careful going in there not walking on the trail and trying to stay away from where deer are going to be and slide up into my spot and sitting there and and uh at 4:40 so a little earlier than uh the night before but not coming from the 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 west point coming from the the east trail that they that I had got movement on in the two mornings Here comes that big 10-point buck, and I hear him before I can see him, and I pull the glass up, and he is walking, and he stops, and he starts working a scrape, and he works the scrape over, does the whole thing, licking branch, rubs his torso glands, then he moves on, and he... Just destroys a tree. I mean, just, he works it over for five minutes. Just tears it up. And I can hear him soft. He's just grunting. He comes down a little further. He stops at another scrape. Does that one really fast. Works another tree over. He's fired up, man. And then he gets to to this point where he sees that candy oak tree. And he just comes marching down, like running to my tree again. Like he just comes tropping down to the tree. Like here he comes as fast as he can. He's not going to walk on the trail and give me the 20-yard shot. And he comes running down to the tree. and, And he comes to the same exact spot as he does the night before. I mean exactly, but now he's not underneath my tree stand because I moved it to the other side of the tree. He's now on the other side of the tree from me, and I've got the tree between me and him. And thank goodness I moved the tree stand because it was clutch in this situation. So he's down there popping acorns, and I am getting a little worried about the the wind uh, if he moves, if he keeps moving the way he is, I'm going to have to get my, it's going to be, it's going to be my good side for shooting, but my wind is kind of going that way. And, uh, I'm like, I need to get him shot, uh, on this other side of the tree. So I move the, the bow over to my weak side and I get out and I, I, st- swing out and I'm leaning on my saddle out around the tree and I draw my bow back and he is four yards three four yards and he's quartering away from me and I can just see the rib cage nicely and he's 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 feeding it's just like it just looks really good really close and I'm like uh I I know I don't want to get him too high. I don't want him too low. So I'm I'm kind of taking my time there, and I'm I'm very calm at the shot. I remember. And the shot breaks. And the buck. It remind me of uh, of one that I'd rifle shot before uh, when I was young. When I the first buck I ever shot with a rifle when I was a young man, and I hit him high in the shoulder, and he jumped up in the air and landed on his head. He he jumps up and lands on his head. Like, he just jumps up and lands on his back. And I had hit him in the spine, but not, like, straight down, like, buried it into the spinal cord. Not like that. Like, I'm just a little too high, and one of the uh, two-blade heads uh, ends up going...
1: Catching vertebrae or catch.
2: catching the nervous line. I don't. Ca- I don't think I catch the line. I just catch it in between the vertebrae, because um, because when I uh, in the autopsy I could feel it. Um, because he he doesn't end up paralyzed by by zero. There's no parallel. He does not end up paralyzed. He he rolls over my arrow and breaks it off, and he ends up right back up on his feet immediately. Like he 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 to his back. Boom! Back up onto his feet and. I don't see any blood at all whatsoever. And uh, he like looks like he's getting ready to run. Like he's standing there, like he's getting ready to just go. And I've already got an arrow knocked and I'm already coming back to full draw. And I'm already telling myself that that arrow is in him and you need to get another one in him wherever you can get it in him. And I get drawn back and he takes a couple steps because he is, Uh, now asked to me and he opens up He, he takes one or two steps and opens up quartering away and that arrow just goes and it's left side right behind the shoulder nice and tight but he's still only like three yards so it's up in the air pretty good and I think it's one lung, and it piles into the offside shoulder and he runs out about five yards and actually lays down on the ground and rolls, rolls over and then gets back up and I move my bow to the other side of the tree and I have another arrow knocked and he turns and starts to walk and I've got the right side available and the, the the arrow goes and I tight to the shoulder on the right side and it looks like he's got wings. He's got arrows on both shoulders, crisscross applesauce, and he just flips over and rolls over and starts kicking his legs and dies right in front of me 10 yards from my tree right there dead
1: no no track in there makes it easy
2: no and i immediately call my wife and he's still kicking it a little bit he's still twitching and i call my wife and i am i'm bawling I'm like, just, I am just crying. And my wife is concerned. She's like, where are you at? What's going on? And I'm like, I did it. She's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I just killed a Whopper. I just killed a Whopper. He's dead right now, right now, right under my tree. <laughs> and she was just like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, maybe these are tears of joy. And she was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. She's, I was like, and I was like, I gotta go. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, there's another one coming. And she she goes, do you have two tags? I'm like, I got a doe tag. And I hung up. And a six point buck comes down. And he comes down under my tree. And he feeds right next to the dead buck. And I film him for a while. And I actually spook him away. I get out of the tree and run him off. And pack up all my gear. And give you a call. And, uh... I start gutting the deer and the eight point that I missed comes out of the thicket, comes walking down, sees me gutting the deer, takes off running into the woods. I'm elbow deep into the deer and I hear something below me come walking up and the six point comes walking up in the dark, just standing there looking at me, covered in blood, gutting this buck out. It was incredible. Um
1: yeah, make, definitely makes for a heck of a hunting story for your first whitetail, huh?
2: Yeah, man. And I am hook, <laughs> line, and sinker. Holy moly. I'm like, this is so awesome. And uh I've Well met... then you
1: also had a, quite an adventure uh from your because you did some serious planning being in Oregon and knowing that you were going to fly and you had some plans in your head and you had some things figured out on how you were going to get this meat home. And uh, yeah, that turned into quite an adventure on its own too, didn't it?
2: Yeah, for sure. And and, and also I'm sitting here looking at this buck and, and normally, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't have packed up all my stuff for, I mean, it was cold and stuff, but normally I would have just got right into, usually I don't even got them. I got this method, get the meat pulled off of them. My stand, my procedure is gutless method, pull the quarters all off. Once the quarters are are all off, neck meets off, then I open them up and drop the guts out of them and pull my tenderloins and my heart out and do an autopsy. Uh, That's just kind of my, my method. Um, And uh, I actually just let that buck sit there for about an hour because um, I figured I didn't have to blood trail him so it wasn't like I usually i let him I, I give him an hour so I just let him sit there and uh I packed my stuff back to the road and uh I got a hold of you because I wanted a game cart and you guys had a, um, a sled because i I'd never killed a buck that was worth putting on the wall before and I was sitting there looking at him like well I don't know how to cape one and I was like man i I don't feel like I'm used to taking animals out, you know, two, three miles on my back. And I was like, man, this could be like a thousand yard drag. Uh, I think it's doable. And, uh, you guys are like, just quarter them up and get them to the road. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't want to do that. And you're like, okay, I'll bring you the sled. So I waited for you guys to, you know, get it, get, get done with your guys's hunt and get the sled and get it over to me and, it worked out pretty bitchin', though. We put him on the sled and we buckled him in there, and we had to pull him up through that rock wall. And then after that, it was pretty smooth selling through the bedding area. And, and he was uh, a
1: big deer, and we pulled him on a jet sled junior because I didn't have a full size with me. I had a jet sled junior, and uh, but we put him in and we tied him in with a with a ratchet or not a you know, but yeah. with a regular tie down strap. Twisted his antlers in and his legs in, and and kind of lashed him through the was, sled with that. He was
2: hanging out of it every which way. <laughs>
1: but it worked
2: it did it did and we got we got them out of their hole and and uh and and loaded up and uh uh and and like jason said i felt pretty good because i'd called a a butcher which is what i do when i go out of town hunting and i had a plan i talked to a butcher that was comfortable with uh uh, not only uh, i'm also kind of picky i wanted uh, someone that was willing to to, uh, butcher my animal and not mix it in with everybody else's animal Um, I always take good care of my animals in the field and, and, uh, you know, I usually do all the butchering myself, but if I do use a butcher, which is rare, um, you know, I'm willing to pay extra to, to not have my animal mixed with other people's. And this butcher, uh, was all about that. He advertised that on his website and, uh, was, you know, was willing to cape the deer and was willing to ship it back to my house and, and all that. So, um, I feel pretty good about that. And so uh, uh, John was uh, nice enough to loan me his Toyota Tacoma and ride with you that next morning. And uh, I got to sleep in. Oh, we did. uh, We had Michael Arnett uh, came to camp that night. Uh, Was it that night? No, the next night. Oh, it was was
1: that, was that night that you brought your deer in.
2: Yeah, that's right. It was. Um, and, uh, no, it wasn't, it was the night before. Cause he gave me a ride. He took me out to camp. It was, it was two days before. Yeah. That's it, right. Cause yeah, yeah, you
1: stuck around take a shower, shower one morning and yep. get stuff ready and he yep. brought you out. Yep.
2: yep. Yeah. So we did miss that. We had Michael Laurinette came and joined us for dinner one night and that was fun. But, um, so yeah, we, uh, I slept in that morning because the butcher shop didn't open till 8am and, uh, um, uh, no 7 a.m. the it was 8 a.m. at the storefront 7 a.m. for deer drop off so uh i uh was showed up at the butcher at 7 a.m. well uh there was uh, some misunderstandings on my part the butcher shop was the storefront that i was at in the in, near our camp and their actual butchering, butchering facility was two hours from there. So this guy had recommended a place that was only uh, 30 minutes away and thought that they could accommodate me. He says he'd done uh, business with them in the past and they were great. So they opened at eight o'clock. So I was like, okay, not a big deal. I'm just gonna go ahead and take this guy's advice. And uh, I just drove over there and it took me like 45 minutes. ended up taking me like 45 minutes. I show up there at eight o'clock And now I'm like, you know, getting kind of further away from camp and these people don't offer those services. They only work with beef. So I called the other butcher up that said they'll help me, but they're two hours away. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to, it's now only an hour and a half away. I'm just going to drive. I'm going to be driving all day, but you know, I need to take care of business here. And, uh, they said but
1: you're not only looking for deer processing, you're looking for somebody who will ship it too. Ship,
2: ship it too, and I get a hold of them, and they said that their main uh, butcher had just quit on them, and uh, they're backed up with beef, and they can't help me. Now I'm like really like oh man, well I go back into that butcher, and I'm like, do you guys have anyone else you can recommend the one that only do beef, and the lady this lady working there she was rough. Uh, she didn't even have teeth. She said that, uh, that her boyfriend worked at the gas station across the street and that he would butcher my deer and cape it and mail it to me. Uh, she, she, she thought he'd do it for a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, that's not, no, (laughs) I was like, does he have a butcher shop? She said, no, he would do it in the parking lot while he was working. (laughs) and that that they could freeze it. And I was like, no. So I'm just kind of devastated. And this other butcher comes out and this, and this guy goes, Hey man, that's a really nice buck you killed. And I was like, Hey, thanks man. And he goes, are you looking for someone to, uh, to butcher it all up and and, uh, mail it back to you? And I'm like, yeah. And uh, he gives me a business card and he goes, this is, these are your people. This is what they do. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I call them up, and they're like, "Yeah, that's what we do." But it's an hour away, so I I'm driving through all these small towns in the Midwest. It was so cool. I got to see just uh, just really get to see all the little tiny podunk towns, and and saw a lot of old, you know, farm country, and it was cool. And uh, the the uh, folks were awesome to deal with, but yeah, that was a big fiasco, and I was able to get the buck out of the truck before it got hot, um, and uh, got back to uh, to camp, got all ready, and I was back in the woods by 1 o'clock in the afternoon in a tree hunting for doe, and I hunted uh, that evening, and I hunted the next uh, afternoon uh, for doe. And honestly, I kind of wish I would have just went out and scouted a bunch of country uh for for next year but um yeah it was uh and it was an absolute incredible trip um I can't thank you enough uh for introducing me to whitetail deer um I'd also like to tell uh you know give a shameless plug i mean you you are doing this for uh for a living now you have uh uh a patreon page you're teaching people how to uh uh do exactly what we were doing and uh I'm kind of a testament that it works so um yeah big big plug uh on 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 all that because uh you know it's kinda of, kind of how it all went down
1: I appreciate that it was a lot of fun that's for sure and was a great trip and like i said it was actually considering all in all reality was actually one of the worst years we've had out there um you know i've been out that way eight years now and uh was like i said one of the worst years we've had and uh for you it, it was phenomenal but still like i said technically speaking as far as deer sightings and numbers it was not what it should be so uh next time we go out there hopefully it'll be a lot better as well too so but i mean it was uh was a fantastic trip all the way around you got to you know shoot a beautiful deer you were into them all the time and there's no doubt you definitely had a lot of adventure
2: yeah man and you had five opportunities yourself and uh john tucker uh missed the biggest buck of his life um so i mean it's not like you guys weren't getting into deer as well
1: oh no we had fantastic trips also you know it was excellent i mean covering up in deer all the time and um, you know, and, and yeah, I did. Uh, you know, like like we said, it's very sticky out there. I I managed to miss six deer in one week period out there. A lot of them by deflection, same kind of thing, little sticks that you can or can't see, and then also some uh, buck fever on some monsters and some little stupid stuff that happens like that. But uh, um, but it was fantastic trip all the way around. You know, but for like you said. You know, I mean, we all shot a few arrows at deer. Um, you were the one who ended up killing one. Like I said, John missed, uh, he only shot one arrow. He missed the biggest deer of his life uh, yeah. out there. And it, it really, it hit him pretty hard. He was pretty, pretty upset about it. I get um, it.
2: I get it. When I missed that, that big one, the, you know, the, the one I missed was the one I killed uh, uh, the night before. And that, that was pretty cool to get that redemption. But I, yeah, it's, it, it, it can be hard. He put all this time uh and energy into this and and then in closing and it falls apart it, it can be tough and um no i'm I'm super appreciative and uh super hooked on on uh white they're 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 a little more predictable than than a black deer. They seem to follow the script a little a little better. Um, they gave me more confidence though on, uh, I, I think that, uh, I haven't given some of my sets enough, uh, chance, uh, on blacktails. Um, I logged 44 hours in the tree stand on this trip. Um, so, I mean, I did have, there was a lot of time sitting and nothing happening at all. It's not like I just jumped in the tree stand and shot one. There was definitely a lot of, a lot of sitting around waiting, but, uh, i I never sat in the tree and didn't feel like I wasn't in the game if i if I was in the tree, I felt like I was in the game or I was coming out of the tree to to get myself in the game and and uh I love that style of hunting it it's it's uh it's a ton of fun and um I'm already uh looking at different states and uh figuring out next year how i'm going to uh you know uh, how I'm going to fit uh blacktails and white tails into the month of November. Uh, yeah, I'm, I am totally hooked on it and I don't, I, and, and I live in Blacktail country, so it's, it's pretty funny that I'm uh super into Whitetail hunting now and don't, don't live nowhere near close to one.
1: We were teasing him the whole week that we were there and watching his excitement and everything. We were teasing James. We were like, yep, we kept, I'm like, I kept, I looked today. I didn't see your house for sale yet. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, he's
1: leaving there and moving to the Midwest.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm actually uh uh plotting on a scouting trip out there, and I know you're like ah, we don't really need to do any scouting trips, but uh I I just want the experience of being able to go into those woods and tear them up to the floor up and not have to worry about uh, hunting them. Um, I think it would be uh a, 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 you know might go out there during shed season and look for some sheds and. And, uh, you know, for like a two, three day trip or something, something thrown around, it'd be pretty fun.
1: Yep. And it's not going to hurt nothing. You know, definitely, you know, if anything, it'll help. But like I said, during this time of year, when it's like that, uh, like I said, you can, uh, you know, every single spot that every single one of us hunted, we found it in sitting in Texas Roadhouse, eating steak and staring at, at on X you know, and that's how we figured out where we we're going to hunt each day, you know, yeah. and, uh, look at how well it worked.
2: Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know,
1: every one of us were into deer every single day.
2: Yeah, no, hundred percent. And, and, uh, it, it is also interesting that, uh, it seemed like there was a ton of hunting pressure, but the hunters, like you'd said, like a lot of them wait around in the parking lot till gray light that you don't see. A, some of them are moving around in the dark, but not, not too much. And, uh, it seemed like a bulk of the people really wanted to hunt just field edges, and so yeah. you just blow right past those folks. and Yeah.
1: Yeah, but you start learning how to read it because we were terrain hunting. We yeah. weren't, uh, you know, we weren't we weren't hunting food. We weren't hunting that. We were hunting terrain, terrain. and how it relates to betting, You know. Yeah,
2: and, and wind. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So it was a fantastic trip. I'm glad you had a good time and I'm glad you're hooked on it. And I can't wait
2: to do it again. Yeah, man. Um, so yep yeah, once again, thank you so much. And uh, you know, like I said before, uh uh if you guys are uh uh been whitetail hunting, you know, new to whitetail hunting or just been doing it for uh, a long time and uh I mean we all there's always something new to learn. Jason, uh he's hunting a lot of different habitat, a habitat types from swamp to hill country, farm country, uh, urban, uh, wilderness. Um, so he's not a one trick pony. Uh, and so the stuff that he's teaching isn't, you know, how, how to kill a deer uh, in Michigan, it's, it's how to kill a deer in any, any uh, habitat you run into. Um, that's some of the stuff that I learned, uh, from Jason, you know, o- over the years, uh, going through his content and, um, and Jason doesn't rely on, uh, trail cameras. Um, he doesn't rely on, uh, uh historical data. Uh, he, re- he relies on reading fresh sign, hunting hot fresh sign when it's there. And, and uh, uh, that makes it a really fun way to hunt because, you're versatile. You, 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 don't have to be, you know, like, like I was saying a scouting trip would be nice. It'd be helpful, but you, you don't have to, uh, you're not limited to just that one area that you scouted the, all the public land is at your beck and call when, when you learn to hunt this way and you don't get screwed. You're mobile. you're mobile. You don't get screwed when someone's in your spot. Cause you just go, you, you, you don't get hung up on spots. You don't get married to spots, and uh, east wind, good, good. We're going to be hunting a different spot today. We haven't had any east wind. You know, you're not like ah oh, east wind. My hunting's ruined today. No, you're going to throw, uh, you're going to throw, uh, throw, throw something into the wind and make it work.
1: Yeah, that's what it's all about: adaptability, having fun, enjoying it, and you know, picking those spots. You know, like I said, there's there's a lot of power in picking a spot while you're sitting at a, at a restaurant and you're staring at on X and you, you find a spot you want to go and you're going to walk in there in the morning when you've never been there before and figure it out in the dark and set up and then have deer there, you know?
2: Um, I think it's Dan in fault. I could be wrong. I'm butchering this, but someone said there's, there's one tree in the woods that a buck's going to walk by today. You know, it's up to you to find that tree. Yeah. And, and I
1: think that was Gene Wenzel. Gene Wenzel. Was the one, yeah. He wrote that in come November. He said, your goal is to find one tree in the woods that more bucks are going to walk to than any other tree.
2: Yeah. And, and, and it is so true. I've watched so many of these YouTube videos and I'm like, why is that buck just walking towards that hunter? Like he could go anywhere. What's going on here? And, uh, you know, you, you, when you look at the big, uh, overhead picture, he was set up correctly. He, you know, he had the terrain in, in, in his feet, in, in, his, uh, favor. He had the wind in his favor and there was something drawing the deer through there. And, uh, w- once you learn how to do that, um, it's pretty magical and, and you can, uh, it, uh, transcends across the board. I, I'm going to be using, uh, some of these ambush tactics on Roosevelt elk when, when the, when the rut's not firing and, and the bulls aren't cooperating uh I, i'm gonna start uh setting up like this more more so on on some on some saddles uh between bed and feed and stuff like that
1: for sure it's more tools in your arsenal then you know how to use them
2: absolutely and uh, one yeah. of these days we're gonna get jason out to hunt some blacktails that's that's my goal we're gonna we're gonna drag it to be a lot of fun we're gonna drag him out here one of these days um but yeah i just like to conclude this podcast with. uh Thank you for the 23 whitetail um, hunt uh, in the books. Uh, and thanks for the friendship and the mentorship, uh, you know, uh, in the podcast and, and, and all the whitetail hunting. Uh, you've been a good friend. I appreciate it.
1: I appreciate it, too. And looking forward to us doing it again next year. So oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to hunting with you, sharing a camp with you again here real soon.
2: All right, buddy. Take care. We'll talk soon.
1: All right, you too. We'll talk to you later.
0: My head is full of wanderlust, my quiver's full of hope I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope Aspen's gold on snowcat peaks, the elk call me away I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day I've got nemrodneurosis, longbows on the brain I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. My eyes are on the target, broad heads all quite true. I Can't wait till I can get outside so I can fling a few. on the wing, the deer are fat and happy, no, they don't suspect a thing, I can't take it any longer, I've got to some air, the only cure for what I've got is a week or so out there, I've got Nymphorosis, longbows on the brain, I'm an outdoor junkie, through and through, hunts my middle name we on the target, did, brought heads off my We like it, I get. get outside, so I can clean the view. <laughs> 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 we are you swimming in the song? let gonna go outside and shoot you.